We're drawing back our bow and aiming for a show that brings you heart. So whether you're single and ready to mingle or married and have already been carried, <laughs> join us for a Valentine's Day episode today on Soap Central Live. What's happening this week on your favorite soap operas? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I am your host and Cupid for the hour, Dan Kroll. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. It is Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2014, and we are broadcasting this week from the SoapCentral.com igloo in Philadelphia. It, as you may have heard on the news or seen on the internet, has been a wintry wonderland here on the East Coast. So if you are someone who is battling the winter chill, hopefully today's show will not only warm your heart, but it will also warm up the rest of you as well. You know, every year when I come up for topics and ideas for the show, Valentine's Day comes up, and in the years past, we've done episodes that have revolved around your favorite soap opera couples. And I thought, you know, that only really covers a portion of what Valentine's Day is about. There are a lot of people who are spending Valentine's Day single, whether it's by choice or other circumstances. So I thought it might be a little bit different, a little bit fun to put a spin on this year's Valentine's Day episode and talk about Single Ladies, which is a hit scripted drama series on VH1. It airs Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. And I'm going to be joined today by some of the members of the Single Ladies cast. First up, you'll hear from Denise Vassie, who you may remember from All My Children, where she played Randy Hubbard. And then I'll be joined by Travis Winfrey, who appeared on Passions for a Spell. You'll get the joke if you watched Passions. He also is a member of the Single Ladies cast. And then coming up later in the hour, I'll be joined by licensed therapist Damon L. Jacobs, who will be taking a look at the pressures that are placed on people around Valentine's Day. For those who are single, the pressures to not be single on Valentine's Day. And for those who are involved, the pressures to put out some money and buy candies and chocolates and cards and stuffed animals and all of those other things. So we'll be talking about that coming up in the hour. It is an hour of love. It's an hour of romance. There may be some surprises. You never know. So let's get right in with this week's show and introduce my first guest, who is someone that it is always a pleasure to talk to. She is one of my favorite people. Denise Vassy appeared on All My Children as Randy Hubbard. Remember, she started off as a prostitute and turned into a Woman with a Heart of Gold. Well, now she is a member of VH1's primetime soapy drama called Single Ladies. And I had a chance to talk to her yesterday to find out what she's up to now that she's a newlywed to get her advice on love, Valentine's Day, and of course, to get some of the details on Single Ladies. So let's take a listen now to my interview with Denise Vassy. Hi, Dan. It's Denise. Hi. How are you? 
I'm good, sweetie. How are you? I am uh, snowed in, but otherwise I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got out just in time. So a lot has happened, obviously, since we had uh, the last chance to talk. Uh, all my children is no longer with us. You are off the market. Uh, what's been going on in your life? Well, that pretty much sums it all up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, elaborate well, a little here. My, this is my second season on, on Single Ladies, mm-hmm. and um, I'm the non-single lady, single lady of the show. <laughs> I, just got, I just got married about four months ago, and um, and that's it. I mean, we're building a house. Um, you know, the picket fence is black instead of white, but we're kind of living our own version of the dream. That sounds fun, though. It sounds nice. Yeah. So I, I guess a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter to find uh-huh. out what are some of your, your most cherished moments? What are some of the things that you look back at during your time on All My Children that rank up there as your favorite memories? Wow. Almost anything shot with the girls. Um you know, the late nights in fusion with Alicia and Chriselle, um, you know, Melissa, like those kind of are the things I hold um, near and dear to me because we had so much fun just like making fun of each other and going crazy and um, and it's, it's something that has set the bar as to how I want my relationships on other shows or other projects that I do, I always look back and go, you know, I came from a place where Hmm. there weren't just, you know, three gorgeous women. There were 10, 12 of us of all shapes and sizes and ages and colors and, you know, Susan and Debbie and, 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 you know, uh, us, the younger girls, newer girls, um, looking to them for advice and, 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 and tips. And everything was always just like family. Everything was so um, simple and easy. And, you know, we kind of waited our turn for a makeup artist and we gave each other advice or told each other where there was a sample sale happening. And and I took that and I walked down to single ladies and I said, you know, I came from a, a place where all the women got along and we all helped each other out and we all had each other's back. And, um... And that's kind of, you know, what I want to always happen when I go to other sets. And, and so those, that, that, relates, that relationship, those relationships with those girls is really has been such a, such a you know, uh, an important thing for me and shaped how I always wanted to continue relating with other women on set. Well, I mean, let's, let's face it, though. That's something that no matter how good of an actor or actress you are, you can't fake the having the good time, the having the fun, and watching the show, watching all my children. It, it always seemed you could always tell that you guys wanted to be there. You enjoyed what you were doing, and more importantly, that you enjoyed each other. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. moving moving from that, after all my children left us, unfortunately, and it, it has come back and left us again, but. That was another story for another time. How did your involvement in Single Ladies come to be? How did you find out about the show, and uh, you know what made you want to be a part of it? You know, it's so funny. I um, I owe it all to all my children fans, honestly, because there was a there must have been there seems to be a, a, a mutual crossover, 
And so um, Single Ladies had had a first season that I was not involved with another mm-hmm. actress played a different character, season one. And via Twitter and my, all my children fans is how I was alerted that, you know, this actress had decided to leave and there was kind of this, this space, this void on the show. And, you know, fans just started tweeting me that, oh, you'd be perfect for this show. And, you know, oh my God, we'd love this show. And this character is leaving. You should be on this show. And all kind of, you know, random versions of, of that. And so I called up my manager and I said, you know, there's this show, it's CH1, but it's scripted. And, um, you know, they, they just lost an actress find out if they're going to be um, casting, recasting, you know, we didn't know what. And so that's what we did. My manager, you know, sought them out, and then I went in for a general with Stacey Alexander, who was um, the uh, casting VP at the time, and met with her and just kind of had general conversations about what I kind of wanted to do and, you know, who I was and where I was from in my background. And... Um, she told me they had been working on another show as well, and, you know, I could come in and, and, and kind of figure out where I might belong, uh, that they weren't sure what they were doing at Single Ladies yet at the time. And then probably about a few months later, a breakdown came out for Raquel, and they decided that they were going to create this new character, and they started auditioning, and then I went through the audition process like everyone else. And I think it was about five or six auditions before I screen tested opposite Lisa Ray. And that was it. But, yeah, I totally, it was totally because of social media and my pre-existing all my children fans. Well, I have to tell you, and I, I talked to uh, Travis the other day, and I told him as well, I started watching Single Ladies because I knew that you were joining the cast, but I really, really quickly fell in love with everybody on the show, with the stories, with, with the characters. There's a whole lot going on, but there are still some people who maybe haven't tuned in. So how would you describe Single Ladies to folks who aren't yet watching? You know, I always say that Single Ladies is, is that kind of... It's that new Sex in the City. It's, you know, it's based in Atlanta, which is a different, um, you know, a, a different backboard than, than we've seen. You know, we usually see a lot of shows in New York or L.A., and I think that that makes it really, really special. Um, but it, it, it has that same flair of Sex in the City when it comes to um, fashion and girlfriends and love and dating, and then... Um, and then it's like this other show, Girlfriends, which, you know, was a, um, a show about, you know, four other African-American girls. And it's kind of a mix of those two, those two shows. Um, but, you know, the most important thing I think that people know about Single Ladies is it's a positive show about three women holding each other down through anything. And then we have, you know... Travis gets mad sometimes, but I'm like, you know, you're a single lady. <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got, you know, we've got our men coming in and out of our lives, and we've got Omar, Travis's character, kind of, you know, our, our sidekick who comes in with the one-twos, but, you know, the, the most important thing is that it's positive, fun television about three women, their relationships as friends, and how they support each other. Through, through everything, even though they all have different takes 
uh, on life and love and dating and fashion. They're all very specifically different. And even if they don't agree about certain things, they still have each other's back. And I think that that's what's relatable about the show. Because just like, you know, just like my character, just like myself, I might have a different opinion on something that my girlfriend is doing, but I'm going to be there for her no matter what. And, and it's a very diverse show. You know, you've got all different kinds of ethnicities involved. I'm kind of like the mixed ambiguous girl. We've got Charity, who plays April, who's a Caucasian girl. Um, Lisa Ray represents, you know, the African-American girls. And we have Latoya Lockett right now who's also coming in and doing that and all different kinds of guys. And it's just a fun, it's just a fun show. Um, and it's about friendship. And I have to say, uh, Latoya's character is hilarious to me. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah. she, she's sort of what everybody wants to be. They want to be the one that has uh, the sassy remarks. So th- that's made it fun bringing in some new characters for this third season. Oh, absolutely. We love, like, we've gotten, we've gotten um, you know, some, some new characters, some great new actors coming in. Um, and not only does that bring a different element to the show, but it also takes some of the workload off us three. So. <laughs> Which is always important. Now, I can't let you get past the fact that you did sort of breeze through a mention that there may or may not be some men who come into all of the single ladies' lives. <laughs> Your character, Raquel has found herself in the company of some very handsome men in these two seasons that you've been on there. So you've been you've been very lucky. Yeah, I mean, season two was <laughs> more than quite a few men, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well. um, you know, Rick, I was testing the waters as she became a newly single woman. And, you know, we met her, she was engaged, and, and that all fell apart. Episode one, and then she kind of, she kind of, you know, played the field and tried to figure out what, what, what she wanted and what she was looking for and, and was trying to find something, find someone to, to have something that she was really passionate about. And, you know, that kind of fell apart at the end of season two. And in season three, when we meet her again, she's like, forget this. I, you know, she almost makes that mistake. And, and she decides, I'm going to focus on my career. I just lost my investor. Uh, it's got to be all about work. And so in looking for an investor, she comes into this um, the situation with Terrence Franks, mm-hmm. and they decide to become business partners on a jewelry, a faux jewelry uh, line. And, you know, Terrence is the bad boy from the other side of town who is the unlikely choice for such a, you know, upbred, you know, high society Atlanta girl. Um, that is Raquel, but opposites attract, and they don't know what to do because, you know, he wanted it. She was like, no, let's, let's keep things totally professional. And then this last episode, mm-hmm. we saw a very disappointed <laughs> Raquel at the end. And so it's, it's, it's been really exciting to see that dynamic play out and see how much the audience has really fallen in love with this couple and the tug of war and the decision making. And, and so it'll be really interesting to see where it goes from here. I have to say that I like Raquel and Terrence when it was sort of seemed like where it was going. I mean, from watching soaps, a lot of folks know, oh, we can maybe tell where this is going, uh, that they would eventually be in each other's orbit. But I have to say... I like them even more now that there's this back and forth. It's so 
painful. I'm so emotionally invested in wanting them to be together, but then something happens. You know, there's a a, a girl who shows up, and, and Raquel sees yeah. them kissing, and then she did the runway kiss, and you know, then at the end of the episode, the most recent episode, as you said, the absolute heartbreak, you can feel that, and I think on some level, everybody can kind of relate to that. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, my God, I fell for Raquel. I watched that scene, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> but, um, but that's what, you know, that's what this show's all about, the, the ins and outs of dating and, you know, making decisions um, and how sometimes if you don't move on something, you're left to be disappointed. And then is, is, is that, you know, is that, what's meant to be because that's what's going to be better for their partnership. Should they really try and complicate things by being together? Um, I think that those are questions you're, you know, anyone would ask themselves had they really been in this situation. And I think that every, every other person probably has been at some point, you know, that relationship that should or shouldn't be because of other things that are going on in your life. It's going to be a lot of, uh, Tense moments, I suspect. I can't wait to see where the show goes. I've been watching the previews at the end of the episode and then get upset that I have to wait seven days for the next episode to show up on Monday. But I want to ask a couple of questions about Valentine's Day since it is Valentine's Day for you. What are your thoughts on Valentine's Day? Is it a real holiday or is this just a made-up holiday that they came up with to sell uh, candy and flowers and stuff like that? You know, it's so interesting because if you, I thought about that today, literally, because I saw something on Instagram or Twitter that, you know, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. And I was like, oh shit, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that. And, and it's funny because I was like sitting in the, in the bathroom braiding my hair. And I go, it's so funny because six, seven years ago, I remember, you know, being in a relationship and being like, oh, it's Valentine's Day, so what are we doing, and where are we going, and what is going to happen, and, what, you know, what do I get him, and, ooh, what is he going to get me, and, and and all that kind of thing, and all those kind of things, and, and I thought to myself, that's so funny, because right now, it's no different day to me, and I don't mean it in a, in a depressing kind of way, but it's like, I honor my relationship and the person that I'm with every day, and he honors me every day. And so he will come back and bring me chocolate on a Thursday for no reason or a, a teddy bear when, you know, we're uh, at an amusement park or something just because we're there, or he might surprise me with a pair of shoes or, you know, any day of the week. And it's not just because, you know, it's Valentine's Day and we have to really tell each other that we absolutely adore each other and love each other today. Um, and I think it's nice. I think it's sweet to honor the day. Um, but, you know, people do have to work. People do have a life to live. It's not the end-all, be-all. And I think that I think that guys should acknowledge it and, and, and do something to, you know, and it could be small. It's, it's all about thought, you know. It's mm-hmm. not about going out and buying somebody a designer handbag or, you know, making sure they have the biggest stuffed animal. It could be something like making breakfast or they like to your car and got it washed today. And it, it's thoughtful things. And I think that that's nice. I think that people shouldn't, I, I think that guys shouldn't overlook it because somehow 
you know, women are much more sensitive and, and we do have our, our moments when, you know, we, we want to feel appreciated. But, you know, it's not the end-all be-all. It's interesting that you said that because I sort of feel the same way about Mother's Day. I feel like if you're only calling your mom one day a year to say, hey, you're special, that's kind of wrong, too. Yeah, your mom should beat you. <laughs> I'll make sure I tell her that. And then the last question, since you are on a show called Single Ladies, what is your advice? What do you have to say to people who are going to be a single lady or a single guy on Valentine's Day? I would say that that's a great day to have fun because you know what? You're not the only single person. And, you know, I have a bunch of girlfriends. As I always say, I've got a good mix of girls from all walks of life. And I see some girls do one thing and some do another. And the girls who kind of like, oh, it's Valentine's Day and stay home and like, you know, get on the dramatic. I'm like, girl, it's the best day to go out. By the way, you know, every guy that's out tonight is single. <laughs> so why not take two or three girlfriends, go peruse your favorite bar, and go meet other people who you know are out there single on their own anyway. What a great kind of day to pick up somebody. Um, that's my opinion. Make it fun. Or maybe it's about like getting together with your girlfriends and doing like a spa evening, you know, go, going to steam and get some massages and then maybe some cocktails and, you know, make it about yourself. So if you don't want to go out there and kind of pick out, pick up somebody or get picked up by somebody on what I think is like one of the best days to go out if you're single, then make it about yourself and treat yourself to something nice. But no need, no, no, no need to sit home and wallow because there's a ton of single people. We've all spent um, uh, single Valentine's Day. I had a relationship and at a Valentine's Day dinner. What? So, yeah, yeah. And so it's not the end of the world, you know? That sounds... That that sounds very soapy. I mean, you when you're having oh, an yeah. event, oh, that's God. what happens. I, I swear, Dan, I'm I'm gonna put it in a TV show one day. I'm gonna I'm gonna write it. I'm working on it. But um, but yeah, it's really soap opera. But it's Valentine's Day, so whether you extend the love to another person who's your spouse, your best friend, or your parent, just remember that that's what it's about. Just showing appreciation for the people in your life. I wish. Me and my girls, we all send each other a little e-card and wish each other happy Valentine's Day and, and stuff like that. It, it has nothing to do necessarily with, you know, uh, a spouse of that nature. It's, it's not only about a spouse of that nature. Well, thank you for talking about your love advice for people and for talking about single ladies and all of that other stuff. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Dan. Of course. Absolutely. Anytime for you. When they, when they sent me the memo, I was like, Dan, yeah, whenever. He needs me. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you are just joining us, we are celebrating Valentine's Day this week here on Soap Central Live, and we're doing it single ladies style. You just heard from All My Children vet Denise Vassy, who is one of the stars of Single Ladies, which is a primetime soapy drama that has everything that we love about soaps in primetime. It airs Monday nights on VH1. Check your local listings for the time and channel in your area. I am going to be joined in just a couple of moments by Travis Winfrey, who's one of Denise's co-stars on the show. And as you can probably guess, the name Travis, he's not a lady. So how does Travis Winfrey fit into single ladies? Well, he's going to explain that to us now. He's also going to talk about the unusual topic that he studied in college, and he has some advice for how 
everyone should be celebrating Valentine's Day, whether you are a single lady or a single guy, or if you have someone special in your life that you're going to be spending the day with. I talked to Travis Winfrey earlier in the week. Let's take a listen now to what he had to say. Hey, Travis, it's Dan. How are you? I'm good, Dan. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, making some time to talk to me today. Thanks for having me. Well, I started watching Single Ladies, this is Disclosure, uh, from my girl Denise, but I have to tell you that I quickly became such a big fan of the show, of the cast, of everything that goes into the show, so I'm really looking forward to sort of getting to know a little bit more about you. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored. Okay. So That's all I ever wanted in life. People <laughs> want to know me. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, believe me, that can be overrated. Um, <laughs> I learned. <laughs> I, though, am somebody who's fascinated by learning how people got to where they are today. And according to your biography, it says that you attended Georgia State University studying astrophysics. So how does one go from that to all the things that you're doing today? Well, it was actually just physics with a focus on astrophysics. I mean, you know, I I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was one of those kids who just... I guess I was a, kind of a zombie through school. I mean, it was easy. I really didn't pay attention. I went to college, and, you know, I was just going through the motions, but I could never pinpoint what I was going to do. I thought I was going to end up working at Lockheed, designing spaceships, something like that. And, um, I, you know, I, uh, a series of events led to my girlfriend cheating on me and finding out about it, and I sang for some dude who, like, made a demo tape of me, I, like, randomly, and a month later, I was presented with the opportunity to leave Georgia, drop out of school, leave Georgia, and go be on some corny character education tour for schools. And if I either take the opportunity or you don't. So opportunity knocked, and I answered, and it led me away from Georgia, and I just I didn't need anything from school anymore. I, yeah, I found my calling, being a starving artist. So, um, you know, after singing and dancing my way through middle America, I ended up in New York again. Um, and I got blessed, and a lady pulled the acting out of me. I never wanted to be an actor, and she was like, you'd be a phenomenal actor. Uh, I just thought I was going to sing and uh, be a performer, and she made me do it, um, and here I am. I, I can't even explain the story. It's so amazing. Um, it's unbelievable when even I tell my friends who know me. Uh, it's very hard to explain the past. Just sort of, circling, sort of circling back there, I think it's funny that you said, well, it was only just physics with, a, with an emphasis of <laughs> only just physics. So I guess that the question becomes on that. Uh, also read that you had taken the SATs, I think, in the seventh grade. So going to college to study yeah. physics. What do your parents say when they find out that you're going to, to become a performer? Well, you know, my parent, my mom had a, my mom and dad had a really big impact on my education early on. But uh, when I got to high school, we kind of had a falling out. So, you know, I left home when I was like 15, and um, I bounced around from family and friends and like at school. And I was in ROTC, which gave me that uh, that structure of being able to continue high school, um, even though I wasn't staying at home. So I didn't really have much of a say. But um, as I got closer with my parents, when I let them know I wasn't going to, uh, I only applied to one college, so they didn't expect much from me. My mother just wanted me to, like, become a, an electrical engineer or an attorney. And God bless her heart. She just wanted me to make I understand it now. But, 
you know, but, I mean, they never really had a lot of sway in my life uh, after high school. So I wasn't, you know, they didn't, their, their reaction didn't mean much. They're, they're happy that I'm eating now. And my mom is extremely proud now. I she just moved back to California. And my dad is just extra, extra excited, you know. He's still in Georgia. And, you know, they watch the show and they're, they're happy for my success, you know. They, they did not think that I would... <laughs> have made a good scientist because I do not follow the rules very well. So I think they're, they're happier now. It does present the opportunity to sort of make it a life lesson. For me, not that you asked, I'll share. I went to school for medicine, so obviously I'm not a doctor. You thought that you would be <laughs> maybe working at Lockheed. What do you say to people who maybe they, they have an idea of what they want to be and they find out that that's not the route that their life is going and maybe sometimes they start to panic because... You know, that this, this wasn't what they saw. What, what is the word of advice on that? You know, I, I was that person. I put limits on myself, and I, I mean, you know, and congratulations by, you know, not becoming a doctor. Thanks. I'm sure she saved a bunch of lives that way. I, I think that that fear is something we all have, and it's a modern social construction, because there are not jobs available for people. Like, you can't go be a farmer and survive anymore. And I think that's where that fear comes from, is that you have to have some technological degree or be some kind of super genius to be successful in America. And that is, I think that's what people have as a stigma nowadays. And that's why we're so fearful. Because it's either a doctor or an artist, and you know one does not make money, <laughs> you know, the majority of the time, and it costs a lot of money to become the other one. So I think that that fear comes from us just being um, an industrial nation. Like, yeah, you either have to be tech or you're going to be broke. And I think that it's very easy to move on from that um, if you limit what you actually want in life. People don't separate what they want and need. And as soon as you do that, um, picking a job is easy. Surviving is easy when you, when you find your happiness. Sort of continuing on this, this process of talking about things that are medical, also poking around, I found out that <laughs> you had a role on Passions, which of course goes down as one of the craziest soaps of all time. <laughs> yes, that was my first job. <laughs> Did you happen to be there when the orangutan was playing the nurse? Oh my goodness! Um, no, <laughs> but I watched, I watched the show. I watched the show with my little sister when I was younger. So, um, like when the little doll came to life, like I was there for that uh, in the very beginning. Um, well, you know, my part in Passions was I was hitting on a girl who just reaches into a lobster tank and eats a lobster because she's a mermaid. So, so you know, <laughs> I think I missed the anything. Okay, it's, it's sort of an interesting <laughs> exactly. segue that will go from mermaids to, well, single ladies. How did you go from hitting on mermaids to being part of this really wonderful series on VH1 called Single Ladies? It's honestly a great story. I took a year off of acting to go back home to Georgia and, you know, be with my mom for a second, yeah, for a second, take care of her, she wasn't feeling so well, and my brother was going, just starting college, so, you know, he needed the break. Um, I went there, and right before I came back, my manager was like, hey, you know, there's an audition, you know, if you want to brush up on the auditioning stuff, there's something going on in Atlanta, and it was for um, uh, a bigger part in the pilot. Um, but a straight part as well, playing Lisa Ray's boyfriend. 
And I read the script, and I was like, this guy, Omar, has the best lines. They're one-liners, and it's less parts. But, so I asked him, can I play that? And I guess I was on point after I read the, the script with Stacey Littlejohn and the director, and she, she's like, hey, don't leave. I think you, I think you got this one. And I got it. <laughs> you know, and here I am now. Three years later, um, it didn't start off as a series regular, but apparently the people liked it. And, you know, I, I was happy to be working. I was happy to be acting and getting paid for it. So I think I did a good job. We'll talk a little bit about Omar in a second, but for folks who are maybe not familiar with single ladies, how would you describe it to them? Uh, wait, first of all, there are people who aren't familiar with single ladies. What, what's going on? What is happening? We're trying I, to, I we're trying to convert them. We're trying to convert them and, and, and uh, not okay. shame them, but... Just get them to join the party. <laughs> well, single ladies is a fun party. It's, uh, you know, the navigating the love lives of three modern women who, you know, in Atlanta, in the city of Atlanta. It's just like any city of the South. Um, I love it because we tackle the very taboo issues that pop up in love and romance today, like, you know, dating online, dating two guys at the same time. You know, just things that people don't talk about too often. It's a interesting, uh, I mean, I, we, I guess with the advent of talk shows, there have been some things where people are more likely to talk about those things, but it's nice to see it done in a relatable way. Right, right. Well, yeah, of course, the scripted, the scripted way, I think, is, um, is an underrated tool to, for social issues. You know, that's how you have your finger on the pulse. Of course, the love and hip-hop and, like you said, the, day, the talk shows and the reality TV, they put it out there all of the open. But I think there's something to be said about our form of the uh, the scripted presentation of things, you know, you, you get a chance for more humor, you get a chance to control the setup a little bit better, you know, it, it, I prefer the scripted version. Uh, that's what I like to hear, I think it's very important to support the scripted dramas, the folks who are really writing stuff as opposed to reality that's written as well, but nobody knows it, I, I like to support these scripted shows. Right, right. Yeah, I worked in reality as a PA a couple of times, and I was shocked to, to realize that it was not, it was not real. Surprise! Uh, sometimes real isn't really real, but your character is very real. So, again, for folks who hopefully will now want to check out the show, what can you tell us about your character? Well, Omar is the the guy perspective, ironically, in in the small world of women that we live in, in single ladies, we have men come in and out as dates and, you know, as romantic involvement, but rarely do we get to see the masculine point of view mixed in with the female, you know, so, and it, and it is not, it is not filtered that often. If, if he has a, Omar gets to bring up the subject that most guys want to ask when girls to say something. And, Wait, isn't a bikini just broad and handy? Things like that. Like, you can ask that, but that's Omar. Now, I have been around since the dawn of time on the internet. I've been doing what I'm doing for 20 years, so things were really different, uh, at least in, in terms of the way social media was back then, if you could even call it that. And I've seen that there's been a progression in the way that actors have approached roles. Was there any, ever any reluctance on your part to play a gay character? Yeah, yeah. of course, in the beginning, there, have, there was some reluctance. Because you, you, you have the fear, like we were talking about earlier. There's the fear of getting stereo-casted and, you know, stuck in, in a role. But um, I, I accept that challenge. I think that as actors, and especially being a black actor on, a, on an ethnic show, you know, or a, not just a black show, but 
I have the perfect opportunity to tackle some social issues with this, and as well being straight man playing gay character adds another layer to it. So I get to I get to uh, to fight the fight for actors and our, our roles and you know equality in the roles, I guess, and I get to be a voice for a community that doesn't really have a. a um, a lot of straight voices on TV to play them, the Latin, gay, bi, transgender community. I, I, I enjoy doing that. I love the challenge, and I love bucking the stereotypes and the stigma that go along with playing a role like that. I think what you said, though, is also important to note is that Single Ladies is a rarity on TV in that it's an extremely diverse cast. On any given day or any given week, you could see pretty much anybody that you would see just in your, your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I have to give credit to the original creator, Stacey Littlejohn, because um, one thing I've noticed being an actor, you go through the breakout, it'll say, like, you know, Sam Waters, 45, Caucasian, four paragraphs of description, and then it'll go to Jameson Johns, African-American, and it just says tough. You know, there are no there are no writers writing for us. There are no producers producing for us. And Stacey Littlejohn comes from such a, she came from such an eclectic background that she had everybody in the show, white, white things, chocolate, everything. I mean, she had everything in there. And that, I think that is one of the most powerful sub, subconscious things that single ladies could do for TV. Well, let's make it a little uh, less about everyone else. Let's focus on you for a little bit. We'll be selfish. Omar has really <laughs> come into his own in this last season, particularly, I guess, this season as well. We've got romances and family drama and conflict of interest with career. I mean, I mean this is really a commitment to the character. Omar is front and center now more than he's ever been before. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. And I, I, the fans, I mean, the really funny fans, they are extremely active. So they are, and they will tell their opinion. I think that had a lot to do with it. The reaction from the fans to Omar, he tested well, and the questions that they wanted to see. They wanted to see what happened to the sister. They wanted to see what he does with his job. And I think that the writers and the producers responded well to that. The new writer, especially uh, Daniel and North, added a lot of stuff to my character. I love the football team. She dug me in my past and thought that I played football, and she added that in there. I, I think. I am so grateful to have um, a bigger spotlight this season. It's scary because, you know, now it's, it's for real. Now you're acting and every, you can't take it back. At first I was just delivering the one-liners and the jokes, which is easy and great. And now it's a real deal. I almost get to get to see the real character me. Now, in addition to your work on Single Ladies, you have a bunch of other projects. You've got a band. You've got uh, some other things that you're working on. What can you tell me about them? Um, actually, yeah, the music, I, I had a band called Peachtree Industrial uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's a rock band. I was in the music before. Uh, it's very difficult to do both of them at the same time. So we are taking my rock band and we are using that for a movie project where you actually get to, you'll get to debut the band and you'll see the rock music plus it'll be a feature film called Last Hours. It'll be out next year working on that now. So I'm finding a way to mix my true love, which is film and music together, what I've always wanted to do. I can't let you go without asking a couple of questions about Valentine's Day, because I guess that is coming up. So for anybody, anybody who hasn't sent flowers or candy, now's the time. The first one would be, <laughs> what are your general thoughts on Valentine's Day? Is it a real holiday, or is it just a made-up holiday to sell candy and flowers? <laughs> I mean, it's... 
I know the history behind Valentine's Day, and it originally was not, you know, set up to, to sell candy, and it, you know, things could things turn commercialized, but it's good to have a reminder that uh, love is present, and I think that's what Valentine's Day is. It's just uh, the yearly reminder, like, hey, remember to love somebody. It, it should be all year, but, you know, I, I'm all in support of anything that makes people uh, come together on a national or worldwide event to, you know, to share love. I am all about that. Christmas, Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving, whatever it is. If you're coming to Halloween, who cares? If you're coming together for happiness, I enjoy that. I'll post one on that end of the day. I do like the candy aspect of it. It is kind of nice. Um, That's my favorite part, too. <laughs> really random <laughs> question yeah. uh, would be, have you encountered any guys who are disappointed that you're not gay in real life? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what yes. is that like? Yes. It's, it's, you know what? I get it. I would be so hurt. But <laughs> if I finally like, met, if I met somebody that I really liked, I'm like, oh my god, this is all I needed. But I'm not looking. Oh, it would hurt me. It would hurt me so bad. I think it's just amusing, though. I'm flattered. I'm flattered at the at the level of anger. <laughs> it's, it's like a it's like a, a funny disdain they have for me like why did I trick them <laughs> it's great Hocus I love Pocus. it I love it right. all the fans are fantastic like everybody single lady fans are, are amazing and well I guess that's a great way to end it though what do you have uh, in terms of advice for folks who are single ladies or single guys on Valentine's Day who are mad at the world because this year, maybe they don't have anybody. What's your advice? Oh, they can come over to my house if they want. Like, let's just have a single party. I'm not single though, but they can still come over to my house. <laughs> I think that um, I, I think that you know, that there's no need to. You don't need another person to practice love. Go out, have fun, and like, there's no Valentine's Day doesn't mean couples' day. Not at all. There are plenty of single people on Valentine's Day that are feeling the same way. And isn't that what finding someone is about? Finding someone that has the same feelings as you on that moment? Should be so, the time to hook up. So you're saying that what people should do on Valentine's Day is sit around looking for somebody else who's just as miserable as them and hook up. <laughs> yeah, I guess in essence that's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not exactly the the, <laughs> the Valentine's Day that I had in, in mind. But misery does love company, and it wasn't miserable. But I did enjoy your company for this interview. So, Travis, thank you so much for taking thank some time out to chat with me. I had my eyes blast. That was awesome. <laughs> Today, like every February 14th, is Valentine's Day. And the one thing that you can count on is that Valentine's Day will pop up each and every year, whether you're single or have someone special in your life. But if you are single on Valentine's Day, there's no reason to let the day get you down. We are joined now by a licensed marriage family therapist and author of the book, absolutely shouldless, who just so happens to love soaps as much as we do, Damon L. Jacobs is going to give us a survival guide for how everyone can get through Valentine's Day unscathed, and there's also a little bit of advice for surviving the other 364 days of the year. We've been talking to people from the show Single Ladies all mm -hmm. on this particular show, and I thought, well, what about this perception that uh, people feel they should 
have someone on Valentine's Day, and, and as the author of Absolutely Shouldless, I imagine that you have really strong opinions about that sort of should-be-involved philosophy. Well, we live in, in a culture, in a society that often imposes certain ideas on us. And one of those ideas is that you have more value and worth if you're in a primary relationship. Um, you know, we even have, you know, restaurants have tables for two. Um, we have kind of a cultural stigma and, and um, kind of an unspoken stigma about people who choose to eat out alone or go to the movies alone. Mm hmm or go to a bar alone or a club alone. A lot of people feel really uncomfortable doing that because they have been told they shouldn't do that. There's something sad or lonely or pathetic about being not involved in a primary relationship. And what I help people do is to like smack that down, challenge those, those, those perceptions that, that often lead people to be really afraid. Um, because what happens then? You could do one of two things. You could either be single and feel horrible about it, or you could get involved in a relationship for the wrong reasons. Hmm. And when people do that, they often then end up being in a relationship and saying, oh, it's Valentine's Day. You know, I, I really wanted to go to the movies, but my partner really wanted to go to a basketball game. I hate basketball, but I should do this for him, so I'm going to do this for him anyway. So I'm going to go do something I really don't want to do on Valentine's Day because it's what I should do. And this is where people start to fester resentments and anger in their relationships when they start doing things on a regular basis that they don't really want to do things that they should do because they think it's what makes them valuable, worthy people. What I say is that you are already valuable. I help people understand the ways they're already vital, important contributors of energy in their world, in their community. Let's start with that. Let's really tap into that and feel good about that. And then think about what it would be like to share that with another person, to come to a relationship, to go to a date or to approach a partner from that standpoint of like, you know, I already have beauty and worth and value inside of me and a relationship might help me be more tapped into that and it might expand and enhance that. But no partner or relationship is going to give me something that I'm depriving myself of knowing. That's interesting. I have a question then, sort of piggybacking off of that. You know, we often hear that wintertime is a high time for people to have feelings of depression and not being able to go outside, maybe being stuck in the house uh, a lot more. And then you have smack dab towards the end of this when people have already been dealing with several months of cold and being miserable. Then you have Valentine's Day. Do you think that, the, the, I mean, the placement of Valentine's Day for some people may just make it even worse in the way that they perceive that need to be involved with someone? Well, I think it, it, it heightens up the pressure quite a bit because now, as you said, for a lot of people, they go through some seasonal affective changes with not being the, the sun, you know, not seeing the sun. Um, our brains get deprived of vitamin D for anybody. That can result in a reduction of mood that can be, make somebody kind of tired, um, feel a little sad or even severely depressed. And now, not only are you dealing with that, but you've got a society saying that there's something wrong with you or something less than about you if you don't have the perfect partner doing the perfect date, doing the perfect things on this random day of the year, which just happens to be, you know, kind of smack dab in the middle of this winter cycle. And it, I think it's really unfortunate, and I think there's a lot of people who suffer from this, and I know there are a lot of people making a lot of money out of this 
who are these people? The candy companies, the jewelry companies, <laughs> you know, all the flower companies. They're all telling you the way you should commodify. You should put a price on the kind of emotional expression that you have. And I'm not saying there's anything bad about candy or jewelry or flowers. I'm just saying when they're used as a way to manipulate people's emotions, that's what I find problematic. Now, you and I have no choice over what other companies do or how they market their products, but we get a choice in how we're going to react to that and how much we're going to believe them. How much, you know, if you're not in a primary relationship, how much are you going to let these other corporations and these CEOs define your worth and tell you you're not a good person or you're pathetic or less than because you're not in a primary relationship? We don't have to allow them. We don't have to give them that kind of power. There's also another stressor in that as well for people who, as you're saying, are, invi are involved in primary relationships where they may be dealing with a financial aspect of, you know, times have been tight going on a couple of years now for people. There might also be some added pressure for people who feel, I have to spend money that I don't have on flowers or candy or a ring or something like that. What in that situation? How for someone who feels that they need to do that, uh, what if they decide that they can't, but the person on the other side of the relationship is sitting, waiting around for, you know, tickets to a show, for dinner? Uh, you know, where do you come to the balance of that so that this doesn't potentially explode into a larger problem? Well, it's a great question because this is where I see Valentine's as a no-win proposition. Because if you're single, you're made to feel bad about yourself. But even if you're in a relationship, and let's just say this year you pull it off and everything's good and the flowers and the show and the jewelry and the candy and everything's good and everything's alignment. Now you got to get it all. You got to up the ante for next year. So Ooh. it's kind of a no win proposition. Even if you do it right, you're screwed for next year. <laughs> so how do we get around that? Yes. Communicate. How do we? Communicate. Talk to your partner. Talk about what it means to express gratitude, to express appreciation, to express love all year round not just one random day that's been determined by the Callmark company, but what would it be like to show appreciation all year round? And if you're showing appreciation all year round, you may not be doing it in ways that break the bank. You could do it in little ways. You can give little flowers. You can give texts that say, I love you. I always say that the best present you can give another person is the gift of presence, P-R-E-S. C-E-N-C-E -E presence because what's becoming more and more scarce in our culture with Facebook and distractions is the full attention and presence of a warm, loving human being. We are greatly missing this in our society. We are greatly losing this and that is what leads to more depression and more alienation than anything else in my opinion. So the greatest gift you can give somebody any day of the year is the gift of your presence your attention, and sometimes things like cooking for somebody or making a CD for somebody or if you knit, making a scarf for somebody or if you draw, doing a picture for somebody. But my goodness, I don't know about you, those kinds of gifts yeah. have meant so much more to me mm -hmm. than any star, store bought flowers or, or department store things. Um, just when somebody really gives you something from the heart, those are the things I always keep. I totally agree with you. I have a, a whole drawer full and a bin full of things that were not purchased, that were, uh, you know, self-made or, or trinkets or things like that. So 
there is another aspect that sort of popped up in my head while I was thinking about all of the things that I have here kept in my drawer. There are some folks who are single by choice. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who know someone who's single, and maybe that person professes that I'm happier alone. Uh, It's much Mm -hmm. easier for me. What do you think? I mean, is there a segment of the population that truly could be happier on their own, or is that a, a segment that maybe is doing some denial and figuring that it's much easier to say that and put yourself in that position than it is to open yourself up and put yourself out there for all of the, the highs and lows that a relationship may bring? Well, I'm cautious whenever somebody labels another person's happiness or serenity as denial. I think that's a really dangerous slope, and okay. usually it's because they're following cultural shoulds. And they can't understand how when somebody doesn't follow cultural shoulds, like being in a primary relationship or getting married, how that person could still feel really valuable and successful and happy. Um, But I am one of those people you described. I am choosing at this point in my life to be intentionally single. And that's how I identify with people when they ask. I say, I'm intentionally single. Because if I just say I'm single, they sometimes think, oh, you just haven't found the right person. Mm. No, I... Sure, there's great people out there, but at this point in my life, given the the level of energy I give to other projects and given the abundance of energy that I have in my life from friends, from family, and yes, from sexual partners, there is not a need to have a primary partner right now. I do not have a spiritual, emotional, sexual, or financial need to have a primary partner at this time in my life. And things are pretty damn fun. You do have a book called Absolutely Shouldless that really helps walk people through the shoulds and and telling, you know, showing people how all of these things that we're told that we should do to address them and sort of find out why we shouldn't, why we should take those shoulds out of our life. What are some of the other things that people can, I realize I use should in telling people that they should not, but well, (laughs) it was the first word that came to my head. It was, it was really easy. What do you want people to get from the book? Well, people will find that it's, it's, it's ways to be authentic, ways to be real. So if being married or having a primary partner is authentically the right thing for you, then that's great and you'll know it and there you will find peace and you will find serenity there. But if you are getting into one bad relationship after another, experiencing one disaster after another, you might want to take a step back and say, hmm, are there any shoulds that are coming into play? Do I have any shoulds about my identity as a person? Um, And what my book does, what Absolutely Shouldless does, as well as my new book, Rational Relating, which is specifically about this, is help people learn to be authentic in any kind of relationship that they choose to create, especially the relationship they choose to create with themselves. Because, Dan, I don't know about you, but I know that there's only one person that I'm going to be spending every waking minute with for the next however long I'm going to be alive there's one person I got to make peace with. There's one person I've got to find a way to get along with, and that's Damon. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get along with him, I can't expect anyone else to get along with him either. And so, what absolutely should this and rational relating help people do is to get very clear: what are my values? What are my principles? What truly brings serenity and joy and pleasure into my life? 
And if it's something different from what society has told you that you should do, then these books give you some tools to step away from that and say, well, I'm going to challenge these cultural shoulds, put them aside, and decide that I'm going to take steps to live my life in a real way. So I can enjoy this life, so I can enjoy the relationships in my life, so I can enjoy the projects in my life, and do it from a very authentic place versus imposed standards by others. And if you're not happy with yourself, I don't know that you can be happy in anything else, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your you know, your job or your waking hours. So I think that that's really, really important for people to find. Right. And sadly enough, and I don't like to get grim, but the reality is all relationships are temporary. All living things are temporary. And people do leave. And sometimes they don't leave by choice. Um, I know for myself and I know for many of the clients I work with, we've had people we love die, sometimes very unexpectedly. And so at the end of the day, how do you find peace, even in the unknown, even when you know when you're getting into a relationship that this is temporary? It might be a day, it might be a week, it might be five decades from now. But if you have peace with yourself and if you're able to find that love and that value within yourself, then there is where your peace lies. And people can go to my website, DamonLJacobs.com, and learn a lot about this and see a lot of these tips and tools that I've been writing about and blogging about. And it's important to make sure that you have that love of yourself on Valentine's Day and every other day of the year. So, Damon, thank you for talking to me. It is my pleasure, Dan. You're so awesome. I love talking with you anytime. And that is going to bring us to the end of this week's special Valentine's Day edition of Soap Central Live. If you'd like any additional information about anything that we talked about during the last hour, head over to our official website, SoapCentralLive.com. There you'll be able to find out how to follow Denise Vassy or Travis Winfrey on Twitter, how to watch episodes of Single Ladies online, and of course get more information about Damon L. Jacobs. If you would like to listen to today's episode, maybe you missed part of it or just want to hear it again, you can check out our website, SoapCentralLive.com. There you'll be able to listen to any of our 217 episodes for free. You can also download them or go into iTunes and download us as a free podcast. Just search for Soap Central Live. A special thanks to Denise, Travis, and Damon for dropping by this week to spend Valentine's Day with us. We are going to be back here again next week, Friday, February 21st, and we'll be joined by... Lawrence St. Victor of The Bold and the Beautiful and Guiding Light, and also some of the members of the web series Pride, the series. Check us out then Friday, February 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for the continuing saga of Soap Central Live. Have a great week and happy Valentine's Day. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.